Scripture comes from Luke 9:51 to 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his, disi- his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Once again, good morning. morning. And once again, welcome. Today we hear the scripture, and we ask the question once again, what does it say to our lives and our time? We come together today as the children of God and disciples of Christ, We come, we enjoy the music that is lifted up and also lifts our soul along with it. And we wrestle, of course, with some of the challenges, prayers of concern, and also the prayers of joy. Uh, We come when we love to join our voices together in hymnody, in praise of God, and join in the congregational worship of our God. But what is it that we seek? What is it that touches that emptiness 
often within us during this great and wonderful and awesome human journey. And that emptiness that we often sense or feel is something that can only be touched by God. It's a thirst that can only be quenched by God. And yet we often become distracted from the wisdom of God for us in our lives. That's what we're here wrestling with in this passage, especially today. It's a powerful passage from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke's passage here in 9 is an incredibly long passage. But when you get into the passage itself, it's phenomenal. In that passage, Jesus sends out the 12, which by the end of this passage might well have been the 14. But you hear two kind of pulled out. Amen? He's sending out the 12. There's the feeding of the multitudes. There's the transfiguration. There are healings that take place. And demons are cast out. And people are made whole. It's an amazing section. But what encapsulates this section? What really brings this section home to us today in our lives in this place? is that this passage also contains what we call a wisdom text. And that wisdom text, as we've talked about before, are those places in our lives where only a face-to-face encounter with Christ will give us an answer. You know what I'm saying? When we wrestle with some of those difficult questions, that really only a face-to-face encounter grants us that answer. That's, that's the wisdom literature. The wisdom literature asks really difficult questions about why do good things happen to bad people? Have you figured that out? Right? Why do bad things happen to good people? We wrestle with so many of these questions that only truly a spiritual encounter can answer. So as you and I hear this wisdom passage today, Jesus then says, after doing all these wonderful things, right? Healings, miracle feedings. But in that point, he rebukes the disciples on two issues. And in our passage today, the first issue, after all the wonderful things he did, how did the disciples respond? The first thing they do to respond is they lift up this ideology of scarcity. There's not enough of God to go around. There's a couple of guys running around who's not part of our tribe. Should we, uh, uh, and they're proclaiming in your name, should we ask fire to come down upon them and consume them? Jesus taught over and over again. There's enough to go around of everything for everybody. Secondly, he tells us that tribalism is the greatest threat to who we are as a people and a species. And the scapegoating we do when we do tribalism is destructive. And creates nothing but tears and pain and sweat. 
The second thing that he says in this passage, after all those wonderful things, and the disciples still don't get it, right? And after 2,000 years, a lot of times we still don't get it, right? So that's the first thing of his great teaching after all of this. And the second thing he shares, that one who is in, in fact, communion with the creator of the universe, all that is seen and unseen, in serving God, has found himself in a situation of homelessness. And that even he celebrates that as he is serving out his commitment to God. So we ask ourselves today the great question. We know that we need the wisdom of God for us to have a life that's meaningful and whole. And by that wisdom, we're not saying that we have this wisdom of the immutable, incomprehensible, absolute creator of the universe, all that is seen and unseen. We're talking about we understand the wisdom of God made flesh for us in the person of Jesus the Christ that outlines us a life that leads to abundance, love, and wholeness. Do you see what I'm saying? And for us to connect with that in the scriptures today, in the final analysis of Jesus' teaching, in the final analysis of all things great and small, we are radically dependent upon the grace of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Radically dependent on the grace of this loving creator that has breathed forth all that is, and that in fact, sometimes in the narrowness of our vision, we cannot see the interactions of the formless and timeless with our lives and our space. We desperately need that grace. The first grace that we celebrate in our particular form or expression of Christianity is that we say, okay, then what is grace? What what is it all about? We hear it spoken of. We need it so we can gather wisdom. What is it? First of all, we celebrate something called prevenient grace. This is the grace that says yes to us before we say yes to God. Prevenient grace or preventing grace is that love of God that affirms us before we even know of the possibility of a God's existence. Prevenient grace we see in our own personal lives. Most of you have encountered a time in your life where some unusual person, situation, unique, even with a family member or someone's well-known, that happens to say just the right thing at the right time? You all know what I'm saying, right? And it happens to the degree that you know it's not coincidence. It's spiritual collision that grants us that yes. In fact, while not inhibiting our free will at all, not inhibiting our free will, this aspect of God affirms and draws us 
to the goodness of God and the goodness within ourselves and of creation. It's the constant drawing, a pulling that we often forget. It's that image of God that says yes to us. And we in our lives need that desperately, don't we? I shared with you, I was looking at this incredible uh, blog, and they were talking about this notion of grace. And a pastor by the name of Bailey had been doing a uh, fairly, uh, fairly large church and doing a kind of an inventory of what people wanted to hear most. And it kind of gave them three choices. And then out of, they had thousands of these things out, probably about 20,000 of these questionnaires out, and got lots of good responses back. In terms of this notion of prevenient grace of outreaching, what do you think the people wanted to hear first? What was number one response? What do you think? Come on, no right or wrong, I'm not grading. And the kids are on break this week. They're on vacation. I see them. They're gone. Huh? Salvation, that they're safe. That's a good one. Yeah, certainly that was on there. But what they were saying, one of the things that we say we want to hear most of all is simply, I love you. Unconditional. You know, no, no, I love you, but. (laughs) Right? Simply, I love you. I thought that was powerful. The second in this notion of prevenient grace, you are forgiven. Again, no additions. No, you are forgiven, but you know what? You are forgiven. And the last thing made me laugh, but when I thought about it, it had great truth. The third most popular thing we want to hear on Provenient Grace, yeah, supper is ready. You got that? (laughs) Supper is ready. I had kind of forgotten that one. You remember perhaps when you're a child and out playing and all of a sudden that call goes out, supper is ready on a hungry afternoon, on a spring day. You remember that? Secondly today, we first, when we say, okay, grace, what's it all about? How we live in context with God's wisdom as shown to us in Christ. We do it by grace. So then what the heck is grace? First of all, that absolute yes from God, unconditional, prevenient grace. Secondly, justifying grace. Justifying grace is when we say yes back to God. You hear what I'm saying? We say yes back to God that through the person of Jesus the Christ, we affirm that God has sent us the way that makes sense to our lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? And when we do this, we do not do it like so many of our ancestors where we say, as Christians, we are exceptional to the point of excluding others, and we're going to heaven and everybody else is going to hell. Does anybody here actually believe that? God is phenomenal. 
God is love. And although we are absolutely unapologetic about our embrace of Christ as the revealed way for our lives, we don't make the presumption that someone else's path is doomed. We show respect to others. We work with others. We dialogue with others. But we unapologetically affirm Christ and that the path of self-sacrificing love is the way of life to this planet. Do you hear what I'm saying? We say yes back to God. And it resounds within us. Um, some of you may remember a rock guitarist by the name of what Stevie Ray Vaughan. He died in 1990, helicopter wreck. And they had his memorial service and family had requested amazing grace. And one thing powerful, if you happen to be that type of performer, they get some very interesting people to do your, your memorial service. So doing amazing grace, if I remember, it was Stevie Wonder, Bonnie Rayett, and it might have been Jackson Brown. But certainly Stevie Wonder and Bonnie Rayett. And they went on to Amazing Grace. But then you know when you hear these artists hit a groove? You know what I'm saying? They hit a space. They hit a zone. That you know you're in the presence of extraordinary talent and art. And as they hit together in that Amazing Grace, I've got goose pimples the size of geese on my arms right now. <laughs> and they got to that place we were talking about I once was blind, but now I see. And Stevie Wonder's voice cascaded and crescendoed over the others. And you had that sense of inner absolute celebration of the light that we can see even in physical blindness, of the presence of the amazing grace of God. That's justifying grace. Okay. Now, third, and the last, as we try to understand, okay, what's this about? We need to live in communion with God's wisdom. That's the text today. So that we have meaningful, whole, and abundant lives. To do that, we need to be in connection with God's grace. So what the heck is grace? One, prevenient grace, God saying yes to us. Two, justifying grace, we're saying yes back to God. And it happens sometimes on a daily basis, many times. Can I get an amen? amen? And third of all, we call sanctifying grace, or practicing the means of grace. And this one is where you and I intentionally nourish our relationship with God. It's as simple as that. It's where you and I make a daily appointment to be in communion with the Spirit of Christ who's speaking in us and through us to the Spirit of God who's continuing to create this world around us through the presence of Christ Himself who is not one who has just intervened or someone who has somehow invaded this world, but in fact it's God's revelation of who we are 
It's just not the invasion of some other, that's Jesus, he's here for a while now back, and maybe we can talk to him once in a while. It is God's invasion of the paradigm for human life in the midst of daily life, of our lives. Jesus says, I do these works, but you shall do greater through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. God has revealed in Christ that we are on the path of evolution. We are on the path of spiritual growth. We are on the path to achieve and fulfill with God's hope the promises of Christ. And to do that, we have to practice the means of grace. To take time for prayer. To take time for quiet and meditation in the midst of this busy world. To take time to serve and touch the lives of others, even in simple ways. They're often the most profound. So I close today by saying, what is the scripture saying to us today in difficult times? It's saying we need to live in communion with God's wisdom. What is God's wisdom? God's wisdom for humanity has been revealed in Jesus Christ. How do we live in communion and connection with that? God's grace. And what the heck is God's grace? It's God's prevenient grace that says yes to us. It's God's justifying grace when we embrace and say yes to God. And it's God's sanctifying grace that we practice our faith. Practice it. Thus ends the message. Thanks be to God.
I send you forth now as a people in whom the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ continues to walk the face of this good earth. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you always. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day. And may God bless you.